Thank you. That was so nice, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> Hi everyone, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, uh, like they said, my name is Megan. Recently, a few months ago, I pivoted in my role here at the church and I took over the preteen ministry from the great Michelle Jackson. But I have been in ministry for a while. I've got experience in children's ministry, youth, women's outreach missions, etc. And while I have been able to preach in various places, Dave's right, this feels like a big deal. I was like, oh, it's recorded, there's two services, wow. So I'm excited, I'm thankful that you're here. Um, today we're continuing our fall series on Church Matters, where we're examining God's blueprint for his church. So far, we've talked about worship, service, and fellowship, and if you haven't watched those sermons yet, go watch them online, they're great. Today, I get to talk about spiritual gifts. And I think anytime spiritual gifts are mentioned, people can get a little skittish. Often our minds jump straight to the intense spiritual gifts like prophecy or speaking in tongues and we think, oh, I don't know about that. We picture these hyper charismatic churches where the Holy Spirit seems to grip people and people get slain in the spirit. And I think that in our polite, kind of buttoned up Canadian society, things like losing control in that way can scare us. So talking about spiritual gifts can raise up these concerns, yes, but it can also raise up a curiosity. So today, we're gonna be curious together, and we're gonna find out what the Apostle Paul has to say about spiritual gifts. But in order to talk about spiritual gifts, we first need to ask, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is also the promised helper given as a gift by Jesus Christ to his disciples after his ascension and available to all believers upon conversion. It is the Spirit who introduces people into the family of believers in the first place and then sustains them in that membership day by day. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us and gives us spiritual gifts to become more like Jesus and to build his kingdom. Now, there are a multitude of spiritual gifts laid out in the New Testament. We can find those in 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians. And on the screen, you will see a compiled list of all the spiritual gifts within the New Testament. Now, you might be thinking, well, why... Are there different passages? Are they different? Why are they in different places? Is this just a big muddle? Not at all. The range of spiritual gifts that we see are a beautiful picture of the rich and diverse life of God's people. Now, I'm not gonna go through and explain each of these gifts individually. We would be here for way too long. But my hope is that today's sermon will inspire you to go and do your own research. I've listed a few more scripture references to read on your sermon notes, um, and that's for you to do some digging later. I've also included a link to a spiritual gifts test that can help you determine your unique gifting. So I'd encourage you, after the sermon, go do that. It's really interesting. Okay, back to the purpose of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God equipping his people Spiritual gifts are meant to enliven the church and edify believers. 
Now, that being said, the point of spiritual gifts isn't so that we'll have these exciting experiences and great renown, etc. It is so that we will be loyal to Jesus, connected to him and to each other, building his kingdom and drawing others to follow him. Ephesians 4, verse 12 to 13a says, the gifts are given to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Okay, now that we've got kind of all that background established, we're gonna jump into our main text. First Corinthians is a letter written by Paul, and in it, Paul responds to the Corinthians' questions about church matters. Ha <laughs> ha, how fitting. Uh, He writes about marriage, widows, idols, spiritual gifts, and more. So let's start with chapter 12. Uh, We're going to read verse 3 to 6, if you want to follow along. It says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Every Christian, every Christian is equipped with gifts by the Holy Spirit. Surprise, spiritual gifts are not just for pastors. They're not just for elders, scholars, worship leaders, church staff. They're not just reserved for those that we often label the spiritually elite. And they're not withheld until you decide to dedicate your life to vocational ministry. No, every Christian is equipped and empowered to do the work of Christ using the gifts distributed to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, when we talk about spiritual gifts, it can be easier for us to say, nope, that's not for me. I don't have those. And maybe because, again, it scares us a little bit, or maybe because we don't feel good enough or spiritual enough, useful enough, educated enough, smart enough, whatever it may be, we end up shying away from our gifting and from our calling because of this self-doubt. Have you ever felt this way? If you identify, I want you to hear what Paul is saying to us. In verse 3, Paul says that declaring Jesus Christ as Lord can only be done by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Therefore, if you are a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to his spiritual gifts. Paul is completely silencing our doubts here. It doesn't matter who you are. The only prerequisite to receiving the Holy Spirit and his gifts is belief in Jesus Christ. We can see this exact sentiment in the book of Acts after Jesus' ascension, where upon their belief, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon Jews and Gentiles alike. And we still see it to this day. Now, that being said, it's not always that easy. I personally have struggled with this deeply. Honestly, I can't even believe I'm up here right now. (laughs) But I know I am because the Holy Spirit, like Dave said, has given me spiritual gifts that include teaching and preaching. 
It's only because I've claimed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and as such, I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, and if you are a follower of Christ, you have that same spirit. I know that I sound like a broken record here, but I think that we really need to hold Paul's line of thinking. And we're not given these gifts for no reason, right? When we come into the kingdom of Christ as a follower, when we receive the Holy Spirit upon conversion, we are meant to be put to work. I would say the ultimate goal of being a Christ follower, other than developing our personal relationship and communion with the Father, is to participate in building the kingdom and spreading the good news of Christ. We need spiritual gifts to do this, and so we're given them. Verse 7 says, Now to each, one of them, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And 11, All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one for a purpose, just as He determines. The Spirit distributes His gifts to each of us just as He determines for a purpose. We need them, and we have them. Like we touched on earlier, there are a multitude of different gifts, so let's continue reading. Uh, We're going to do 12, verse 12, and then 14 to 20. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, well, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, well, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Every spiritual gift is vital in the body of Christ. We need to realize that each spiritual gift is important and no one gift is more important than another. In this section, Paul actually highlights two traps that we can fall into, envy and arrogance. There is a temptation for arrogance to people thrust into a high-profile office, and there is a temptation for envy for those with less high-profile office. Gifts that strike the eye can induce pride, and gifts that are not so obvious can induce envy. It's easy to say, well, my gift is administration, but nobody ever sees it or thanks me for it, so... It must not matter. Oh, if only I had the gift of prophecy, then everyone would see how spiritual I am. But it doesn't work like that. My preteens and I just finished a series on comparison. Shout out to them. Some of them are in the service today. And we talked about how comparison and jealousy can ruin your life. It can cause us to feel bad about ourselves, like we're not enough, and it hinders us from celebrating who we are and who others are, the gifts we have, the gifts others have, and this is not a godly way of thinking. Now, on the flip side, it's also easy to say something like, oh, my gift is preaching, and I get to be on the stage. 
And then you can let it get to your head. As N.T. Wright says in his commentary, I love this quote, it says, there is no room for spiritual elitism or snobbery within the church. This pride or snobbery is equally as dangerous and unhealthy. There are no ranking, there is no ranking to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It just doesn't make sense. But when we put aside our comparisons and we rid ourselves of the temptation to measure our spiritual gifts against another, we make room for something beautiful. The body of Christ working together for a greater purpose. I've witnessed this working together countless times. Uh, Most recently, I saw this happening on our trip to Project Samuel in Zambia. Even amongst our small team, we had a myriad of different spiritual gifts and physical skills, and God was able to use our little team of 13 people and under eight days to accomplish some big things. We built a 4.8-kilometer fence, we ran a soccer camp and a tournament, a kids' camp, and we were able to disciple the kids at Project Samuel. While I feel confident doing you know, a few of those things, let me tell you something, if it had just been me, on this trip, that fence would have never gotten done. Even if you cloned me and gave me triple the amount of time, that fence to this day would not be finished. I am no construction worker. But that's why we had a team. And that is why the Holy Spirit gives believers a diversity of gifts so that we can work together as a team, as a body. Bodies don't work that well if you've only got one part. It's like that saying, have you heard it? Oh, I'm all thumbs. Not good, you don't wanna be all thumbs. Paul says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? We need each other. We all belong to the body of Christ. We and the spiritual gifts we each bring to the table are all vital to this rich, diverse, beautiful community. We need each other equally. Let's keep reading. We're going to jump to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read verse 1 to 3. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so much so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Every act of Christian service must be rooted in love. Now we know that we each have gifts and that all of our gifts are vital to the work of Christ, but arguably the most important thing to recognize is the importance of love. We could work together all we want, We could have the greatest combination of spiritual gifts you've ever seen within this church. We could be doing huge things like moving mountains by our faith, teaching the entire North Shore about the things of God. We could be taking care of the needs of the poor. But if we do not do so with love in our hearts, it all amounts to nothing. Paul says that even all of our best gifts in offered service is just downright 
annoying without love. Did you catch that? If I speak but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I could be the greatest administrator, the greatest prophet, preacher, but if I'm not operating out of a place of love, people just find that annoying. The highest virtue, the greatest quality, the most Jesus-like characteristic you can imagine is love. And if you want to know what love looks like and how to represent Christ in this way, Paul lays it out in verses 4 to 8. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably read these. It says, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not record wrongdoing. Oh, it does not rejoice at wrongdoings, sorry. But it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And it's this love that is the mark of the Christian church. The church in history, we know, has made a mess of things in history. We have not always been patient and kind. We have at times been envious and arrogant. However, when love has been the hallmark, when love is at the forefront of Christian ministry and service, the world takes notice. This is the draw of Christianity. It's how we love each other. Verse 13 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In eternity, we won't need faith because we'll see God's glory with our own eyes. We won't need hope because everything that we could ever hope for will have come to pass. The only thing of the here and now that will be in the there and then is love. There's a hymn from 1862 that sums this up beautifully. If you've heard of it, it's called Gracious Spirit, Holy Ghost by Christopher Wordsworth. And it says, prophecy will fade away, melting in the light of day. Love will ever with us stay. Therefore, give us love. Faith will vanish into sight. Hope be emptied by delight. Love in heaven will shine more bright. Therefore, give us love. Love must be the motivation and foundation behind every act of service done via our spiritual gifts because love is the only thing that will last and without love, nothing matters. Okay, we've learned about spiritual gifts. Now we're going to turn our knowledge into action. How can you as an individual, how can we as a congregation receive, recognize, and exercise our spiritual gifts. First, receive. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are yet, or if even after everything I've said, you're doubting whether or not you even have them, ask the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants us to ask about things that we're confused or uncertain about, and I also believe that God, in his great mercy and love, longs to pour out more of his Holy Spirit on us. A few years ago, I was working at a nonprofit in the heart of Los Angeles called the Dream Center. And the Dream Center has a long history of serving and loving the multiple communities it's surrounded by, but it's actually the church that they're connected to that has an even longer history, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. 
Angelus Temple, the church, is the original Foursquare Gospel Church, and it was founded by Amy Semple McPherson. Amy was a Pentecostal evangelist, uh, and she was a media celebrity in the 1920s and 30s. She's the one that pioneered the use of broadcast mass media for the spreading of the gospel. She conducted public faith healings involving tens of thousands of participants, and her church became the site of a massive faith revival. This woman was amazing. There, she's up there. And that's Angelus Temple, the church. She was amazing, but we know that she didn't do this on her own strength. I'm going to read this excerpt from her book called This Is That on the moment that she petitioned God to pour out the Holy Spirit on her. This is what she writes. I began to seek in desperate earnest and remember saying, Oh Lord, I am so hungry for your Holy Spirit. You have told me in the day that I seek you with my whole heart, you will be found of me. Now, Lord, I am going to stay right here until you pour out upon me the promise of the Holy Spirit. I am so hungry for him. I can't wait another day. I will not eat another meal until you baptize me. After praying this earnestly, storming heaven as it were with my pleadings for the Holy Spirit, a quietness seemed to steal over me. The holy presence of the Lord to envelop me and the voice of the Lord spoke tenderly. Now, child, cease your striving and your begging. Just begin to praise me. And in simple, childlike faith, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amy went on to use spiritual gifts of faith, tongues, healing, and preaching to reach thousands of people, and her legacy lasts to this day. But that's not the point I want us to take away. I want us to remember God's tender answer to her petitions. Child, stop striving. In simple faith, ask and receive. Now, simple as that may sound, sometimes we can be blind, right? We can trick ourselves into thinking, I don't have spiritual gifts. I asked, I don't see it. And that's why it's important to surround ourselves with people who can see for us. This is where recognize comes in. Like I mentioned before, I have struggled, especially lately, with owning the gift of preaching, pastoring, and if it weren't for Pastor Dave, the rest of the church staff and the elders, um, my small group, my fellow coffee time leaders, my Zambia missions team, my life coach, or my family, I wouldn't be up here. I probably wouldn't be in ministry at all. And so they are the ones, these amazing people, who have recognized the gifting of the Holy Spirit, and they have encouraged me to pursue what that entails said to them. I'm going to get emotional. Thank you. I love you guys. Whew, all of that sappy stuff to say. <laughs> get into a small group. Get yourself a mentor or a spiritual advisor. Curate an inner circle of fellow Christians who can call out the giftings that they see in you and challenge you to step out in faith to use what you've been given. 
Something else I've come to realize is that one of the best ways to discover your spiritual gifts is to just start serving. Russell Moore writes, we don't find our gifts through self-examination and introspection and then find ways to express it. Instead, we love one another, serve one another, help one another, and in so doing, we see how God has equipped us. This feeds into our final application point, exercise. We hone and develop our gifts when we're actively using them, when we are putting them to use. If you don't know how to do that or where to start, I have good news. We have a multitude of serving opportunities available in this very church. You could do children's ministry, dress up like an astronaut, how fun. You could volunteer with preteens, youth ministry, coffee time, young adults. We have opportunities to usher, serve communion, join the prayer team or the hospitality team. We have our upcoming Christmas dinner. There are so many ways you can get involved, and if you're not serving, please talk to a pastor or another volunteer today. We really want you to get connected in this. Now, as we discover and exercise our spiritual gifts, especially in this season of transition for our church, we need to step up. In times of transition, one of two things can happen. We can either decide that it's too much and we can leave, which is understandable. Or we can use transition to grow our faith and use it as an opportunity to step up and into more. And we do this stepping up best when we're operating in the knowledge of our gifts, partnering with the Holy Spirit and our fellow Christians to do what we're called to. And of course, when we're doing all of this from a place of love for one another and for the greater body of Christ. So, here's my question. Are you willing? Are you willing to receive and recognize the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has bestowed on you in order that you might exercise these gifts in love to build the kingdom of heaven? Are you willing? Yes. I got a yes from Sarah. <laughs> All right. The worship team can come back up as we move into communion. Now, we've talked a lot today about the body of Christ, and I believe that communion is the ultimate reflection of this. Communion is where God's people come together to celebrate our connectedness to him and the greater church body through Jesus' sacrifice. The Lord's Supper displays that we collectively are participants in the work of Christ and in his sacrifice. When taking these elements, we join with generations of saints come before us saying, we belong to Jesus and to what he's doing in the world. Luke 22, verse 19 to 20. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Servers, you can come up to your stations while I pray. Jesus, we thank you for the great lengths that you went to 
so that we could be called sons and daughters of God, called to work alongside you to build your kingdom. Lord, would you give us a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? May it rest on our church, empowering us to do the good works that you have called us to. As we live in the light and the grace of your sacrifice, Jesus, would you pour out your love for us so that we as a church can pour it out onto those around us. And Lord Jesus, I just ask for a tangible encounter for each of us today as we partake in your holy communion. Jesus, thank you for your body and your blood given and poured out for us. Amen. I have a few instructions for you. You can come up to one of our five stations. We've got three down here, and I think we have two in the balcony, maybe just one. Um, What you'll do is you'll come, hold out your hand. Your server will give you a piece of bread or a gluten-free cracker if you need. Um, This represents Christ's body. Then you will take it and dip it into the cup of juice, which represents Christ's blood. If um, you're unable to get up for communion, that's okay. Just hang tight, uh, hold up your hand, and one of our servers will come to you. And I'd also like you to know that there is prayer ministry available during communion if you'd like to receive prayer after uh, partaking with us in the Lord's Supper. I think Kathy and Dan and Leah and Daniel are available after. Now, as you receive communion, may you reflect on the great lengths that Jesus went to to have you be part of his kingdom. And may you reflect on all of the good that there is to come as we partner with him and his Holy Spirit.